Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. So, you know, Gina and I, we go through life uh, pretty differently. So my perspective, you know, I think of life through, like, goals. And I think of life of dreams, you know. We're, this is where we're going. And she thinks of life as details. And this is how, well, this is what we got to do to get there. And um, a lot of times, well, I should say sometimes, my way is better, right? And so, for, like, example, you know, we're going to go do something. We're going to go hiking, and we're going to go out there, and Gina will be like, well, what if it rains? I'm like, we're going to wear ponchos, you know? Well, what if we get lost? We'll wrap up in space blankets. So where are we going to camp? I don't know. We're going to, we'll find it. It'll, it'll present itself. In fact, I have a, I have a rule that uh, when we're about to go anywhere on vacation, we're going to leave for a little while. It's, I call it my digger rule. And that is uh, once we get on the main street, there's no more digits. You know, like, did you close the door? Did you get this? Did you bring that? I'm like, it doesn't matter if we did or not, we're going. And whatever we forgot, we just, let's go, we're doing it. But um, sometimes Gina's way is better, too. And sometimes details are important. I think of one time. So um, back before paddleboarding like, got crazy, before Ridgeway was covered with paddleboards, um, I was kind of getting into that. And a friend of mine uh, who goes to this church said, hey, let's go down the river. I'm like, okay, that sounds good. And, and so we went down down Compagre, and uh, I was like, this is it. Like, I love this, because it makes, like, class two water feel like class four water when you're standing on a paddleboard. And so I had this little uh, idea that I even put it on, uh, like, a couple uh, hashtag, and it was that uh, it, the lakes are for chumps, right? And so, but, like, we'll go out, and if we're going to do this thing, we're going to do the river. And so I got this idea, and the idea was, um, I'm going to take my whole family on a multi-day paddleboarding excursion. This is going to be Awesome. And it was, this was the dream and the goal. And so, but there were some details that got in the way. So like, first of all, we only owned one paddleboard. And there's six people in my family. And, and so we scrounged up some paddleboards. And, um, you know, back then they had a bunch of the hard side ones. They weren't all inflatables like they are now. And uh, a detail, just so you know, those don't work in the river real well. And so, but I didn't know. So we brought that up. And then um, another detail uh, is that if you load a lot of gear on those paddleboards, they sink. They don't do great. They're not like a raft. And so, especially if it's a hard side one. Another detail, only three of the six of us had ever done that on a river before. The, the other three was their very first time on a river with a paddleboard. Another detail is you should always check the water levels before you go on the river. Just so you know, that's a smart thing to do. And so I'm like, we're going. And so we, we went and, you know, I launched the first kid off and then I launched the next one off and I launched Gina off and, you know, I'm going to sweep and come up at the end. And so um, I get in and my paddleboard is literally sinking. I mean, the, it's like to my ankles and I'm just like, okay, this is going to be an interesting ride, but here we go. And then um, I get around the corner and Gina is on a bush. She's just like holding a bush on the side. <laughs> And then her paddleboard is kind of pushed up against her. And then there's another kid on the other side of the river with no paddleboard at all. And then another kid that's like, I mean, it's just absolute mayhem and it's a mess. And so I have to go and like I try to clean it all up and we go over to Schweitzer and go on the lake. And I'm like, we're just a bunch of chumps. Here we are. 
But sometimes you need to know the details, you know. So here, here's the thing, though, is afterwards, I mean, I was just walking with my tail between my legs. I was so just embarrassed. I was like, man, that could have gone really, really bad. You know, I should have done that better. And it was just, I was like, forget this paddleboard and forget all of it. You know, it ever happened to you? Like, I just don't want anything to do with that anymore. And, and I've seen, actually, there's a, a number of Christians that I think are actually living right there deflated, or just apathetic, or like, you know, I'm not, I just don't want anything to do with that. Just kind of holding up, holding up, and waiting it out. Just kind of waiting till Jesus gets back, because forget all that other stuff. It's just too much of a mess. And the details of life, the actual, you know, putting the boots to the ground and the nitty-gritty of life has just kind of sucked away your dreams, and it's sucked away your passion. And the Bible actually talks about this. If you have uh, your Bible, open it up to Romans 12, and we're going to just go verse by verse uh, through this section, really powerful section in Romans 12, verse 11. And this is what Paul challenges us and commands us. He says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Never lacking zeal. Now, I wanted to point out that idea of keep your spiritual fervor. So keep means to shepherd, to take care, to guard. That actually your zeal, your passion for Jesus is something that you have to steward and you have to take care of. Because a powerful strategy, see we're talking in the Stand, Fight, Win series. We're talking about what the enemy does to come against you for what God has for your life. And we're looking at seven different strategies that he brings against you. We're looking at corresponding armor of God to help us through that. But this is a powerful strategy that he's bringing against the church right now, against you right now, is just this apathy, this retreat, this pulling back from what God is asking you to do. And one of my life goals is to bring as much glory to Jesus as I possibly can bring. I just want to lift up the name of Jesus wherever I am. So just the other, uh, yesterday, I was, uh, I cleaned up my backyard, mowed it all, and I was just sitting on my uh, little patio there with a pergola above, some shade, and I was just like, oh, God, so beautiful outside. So blessed. I'm so thankful just to be here. And I just had, you ever have just like one of those little moments, just a sweet little praise moment where he came into my lunch and my time there, and I, I was just moved. I'm like, oh, I just give you all the glory, Jesus. It's so good to be yours. It's so good to be here. And so I want to bring all the personal praise that I can bring to Jesus at all moments. And see that hole in back, and, and when we hide, it, it takes away that praise that we're going to bring. And I want to lead as many other people into Jesus so they can have the life of Jesus, but also because I want more people to just praise him, more people to give him the glory that he is so worthy of. And I want to see every single one of you get as free as you possibly can be and to step into all that God has for you, for your own life, but also just because God deserves your very best. He deserves it all, unhindered, moving forward. And Satan hates that goal. He doesn't want you to bring glory. He wants you to be still. He wants to stifle you. He wants you to quiet down. He wants you to back down. He wants you just to sit down. And if he can't push you away from Jesus, he would just like you to be quiet about Jesus. And there's a lot of us that, that it's a, we, we just quit. Like we're just kind of waiting it out. Come on, Jesus, come back. But we got a lot of work to do there. We got a lot of work to do before he comes back. Think about the last time you quit. You know, there, there's a good way to quit and there's a bad way to quit. There's good reasons to quit 
And there's bad reasons to quit. I found a little thing from Steve Harvey um, here. Uh, this is a guy I think he's quitting pretty well. Let's go ahead and play that. Excuse me, everybody. Derek, Jake, everyone. I got an announcement to make, and I got my friends here to help me out. Guys, hit it. So that's a good way to quit, right? And then there's bad ways to quit. But here's the thing. If God has given you a directive, do you know what you do? You keep going until he tells you to do something else. If it's hard or it's disappointing or it doesn't work, you keep going until he tells you to do something else. Now, there's a time to quit, and that's when he's directing you to a new thing, when he says it's time. And I want to tell you, listen, if you are here and you go to another church, I want to tell you, don't come here until you're sure that he's calling you here, until you've worked it out back there. If you're leaving because you're mad or things just didn't go your way or you're frustrated, I want to tell you, go work it out, then come, all right? If you don't have a church home, glad that you're here. And if God's calling you here, I'm glad that you're here. You're more than welcome. But we just don't quit because it didn't work out. We keep going forward. Things don't work out all the time. You know, why, why do we quit? Well, usually, isn't it frustration? You know, I tried so hard, and it just didn't work. People didn't do what I expected them to do. It didn't, it, my expectations weren't met in the midst of it. Or, you know, I care so much, and apparently nobody else does, and it just doesn't matter. Or I hoped, and it's not really changing anything. It's not doing what I wanted to do. Or fear. Some of us don't even just, we don't even step in because we're afraid. Oh, it's going to require too much of me. I'm too busy. There's too much going on. I, I can't do it, so why should I even start? Or this might hurt, so I'd rather just stay safe. Or is it really worth it? And I'm a little concerned that it's just working, that the enemy's strategy is working at a time where we need to be rising up and stepping in more than ever in history. Many of us are just kind of like waiting this thing out, and the enemy wants you to give up because he wants to rob God of any of the glory that he can. And he wants to rob you of the life that comes from stepping into the joy that he has for you. He wants to rob you from your call and rob you from your efficacy, and rob you from the fruit that God wants to bring. And I want to show you a promise from heaven. This is the only time we're going to leave Romans here. We'll go to Galatians for just a second. And you probably know this passage, or many of you do. Galatians 6, 9 through 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, I want you to understand, this is not just like a little inspirational quote. It's not just a little thing like, oh, yeah, okay, now I feel better. This is a promise of God. If you keep going, 
in the proper time, you will reap a harvest. You will see fruit. This is God's promise to you. If you quit, you won't see it. But if you keep going forward, if you keep your zeal, if you refuse to become weary and just keep doing it, you will see a harvest. So therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You have to understand that nothing done by his spirit, nothing done in obedience through his spirit is ever pointless, no matter how it ends. No matter what happens, there is a purpose and there's a plan and there's a work that God is doing. Even if you look at it and say, that was a disaster. Jim Elliott, I think, I mean, that's the quintessential example. So you may know about him. If you uh, saw Tip of the Spear, that movie is about him. So he's a missionary. He goes down to Ecuador to minister to the Wagani people. And he knows before he goes down, him and Nate Saint and the whole group, they, they know that these, this tribe, this unreached people group, that, that they kill people, outsiders. They've been killing the, the oil men who come in and anyone who comes into their area. And so he knows he's got to build bridges. So they have this plane and this big bucket and they deliver, they figure out a way to deliver uh, gifts and things down to this tribe through the plane. And it seems like they're making connections, so they land, and actually one of the tribe members comes to greet them, and they take the tribe member around for a, a ride, and he's waving to the rest of his tribe as he's in their airplane. So they're like, okay, it's time. I think we've made it. I think we're getting in here. And so they land the plane, and then they go in to meet the tribe. And as they're going, they see two women across the river, and so they go to greet the women. But what they don't know is there's an ambush behind them, and the warriors pop up and kill every single one of them. Now, was that a waste? Was it pointless? Well, I mean, here we are talking about it right now, right? I mean, so we know it. One thing, if nothing else, it has inspired millions of people of how we go forward. But, but then you know what? It didn't end right there. If you know the rest of the story, you know that his wife, Elizabeth, goes to the same people, bringing her daughter on her back, who's a baby, Valerie comes with her, and goes and ministers to this very tribe and leads most of them to Jesus. And now you could, uh, you could Google uh, Steve Saint. That's Nate Saint's son. And you can look at the, you can actually watch right now if you want to today. You can go and you can watch him on stage. He does this speaking tour with one of the tribesmen. And he's standing there on stage with a guy who came to Jesus who happened to be one of the guys who killed his dad. But came to Christ. It's never pointless in Jesus. And it's Nate Saint who gives us, excuse me, Jim Elliott who gives us that amazing quote. He says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. It's always worth it in Christ. All right, let's keep moving on. Let's look at our, our next verse back in Romans, picking up right where we left off. So the next verse, verse 12, says, share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. See, this is, this is the heart of someone who's not holding back. When we engage, we have plenty to give. When we retreat, we have to hold on to everything that is ours, right? And Jesus is telling us, open up our hearts, open up our lives, practice hospitality. This is the key to staying engaged. This is a key to, to, to being effective. And it's simply this, the joy that we have in Jesus. There is so much joy. You know, your joy, did you know it's a weapon? Do you know that joy actually brings strength? And you have to understand that joy, it's not found in your circumstances. 
And we don't go get joyful because things are working or because that what we hope for takes effect here. Joy for us is found in the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that he is always working, that he's always with us, and he will always win. Is there anyone here besides me who's feeling a little hopeless about our nation, about our world, about our culture, about our children and our future? Well, I want to tell you, listen, if you are angry and you're afraid and you're hopeless and you're ineffective, you are right where the enemy wants you to be. He wants to push you back. It's hopeless. It's worthless. There's nothing you can do. This great wave that's coming against you is going to swallow you up. No, no, see, we have such a powerful hope in Jesus. And it brings strength. It brings joy. But you know what mostly it brings? It brings action. To know, yeah, okay, you come against me with that, but I know that we are going to move forward. We're going to see God move in the midst of it. And there's no doubt things are going crazy around us. Franklin Graham, he was just at the National Religious Broadcasters Association. I think it was two or three weeks ago. And this is what he said. And I personally, I think he's right. Franklin Graham, son of Billy, says this. Every demon from hell has been turned loose in our culture today. There's a storm coming, and we all have got to be prepared. You know what that tells me? I think it says that the enemy knows his time is short. And he's not playing his best card. He's playing his last card. See, his best card is to just sow little bits of doubt. His best card is to stay unseen and just to keep chipping away at you and just keep working on your heart and keep working these doubts until you just slowly fade away. I mean, that's how he got Europe, right? See, but this is his last card. He's in our face. And I want to remind you, God, in the middle of it, is on the move. That God is working and God is going forward. Do you know how many Christians there were in China 40 years ago? One million. Do you know how many Christians there are in China right now, today? A hundred million. God is on the move. Yeah, praise God. Do you know that there's, uh, there's fewer atheists today than there were in 1970? Do you know that uh, you know, the 20 uh, countries uh, that are growing quickest in Christianity, of the 20 fastest growing Christian countries, do you know that 11 of them are Muslim nations? God is moving. Do you know that Nepal is the fastest converting nation in the world? And that every year we're seeing 11% of the population come to Jesus? There's 2.6 billion Christians in the world today, and if we keep going at the exact same rate that we are going right now, in 2050, there will be 3.3 billion Christians. God is on the move. Now, how about right here in our midst? You know, I meet with the pastors, and we pray a couple times a week together. And and these guys, what they've told me, I, I don't know if it's true in every case, but what I keep hearing over and over again is, our church is growing. God is doing things. It's not just here that it's happening. It's in this city that God is doing things. He's going forward right now. How about our youth? They were just up at camp. The middle schoolers were up at camp. And I've heard reports of like a bunch of middle schoolers just crying because they were just overwhelmed with the presence of God. I mean, that's what we prayed for, right? My daughter called me up, called us up in tears. And, and we're like, well, are you okay? What, what's going on? She's like, no, I, I'm meeting Jesus. Praise the Lord. God is on the move. So Franklin Graham, he gives us a solution. This is what he says in the midst of this. He says, listen, this is what you do. Preach. Preach. 
Don't back up. Don't make excuses. We cannot back up. We cannot retreat. Don't apologize for the gospel. Just declare it. Just preach it. And see, don't let these little small things in your circumstances, the small disappointments in our small world, interrupt your understanding of the great work that God is doing in his big plan. The last thing for us to do is to quit. The last thing is to retreat. The last thing is just to kind of grump around and despair. It is time now for us to rise up in joy because we will win. God is winning and victory is yours. And yes, praise God, expect, expect the enemy to intimidate you. Expect the enemy to come against you. Expect him to threaten you. Expect him to discourage you. Expect him to try to get you to lose heart. That's what he's doing. That's his strategy. Expect attacks and expect judgment. Expect people to misunderstand you and things not to work out. And expect this world to be more worldly and to be more crazy. And as they turn from God and away from him in our local area and in this nation, expect more confusion around us. But I'll tell you what, even in that, God is using that for a shaking. Do you remember the beginning of this year, what we said our theme was as a church? God is asking of us. It's focused. Just staying focused. We're just keeping after Jesus. We're looking at Jesus. All sorts of stuff going on, but we're going to keep looking at Jesus. Keep moving forward in him. Let's look at the next verses here. Verse 13. And it says, share with God's people who are in need. See, it's just an abundance and a giving. Practice hospitality. This is powerful. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I know many of us feel persecuted. Listen, there is resistance coming against what we believe. There's resistance coming against the truth. And what does it say? Get mad. Get angry. Fight. Bless those who persecute you. Those who are on the other side of the aisle, bless those. Those who are on the other side of the issue, bless those. Do not curse. What a powerful, powerful tool. What a weapon God has given us. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. What a packed passage there. We could spend weeks just on everything that we could pull out of that. That'd be a good one to spend some time in this week and dig a little deeper. But you know what joy does? It blesses those who curse us. Joy rises above. That's what a person does who knows what they are, who knows what God does. I've got my, uh, my fourth daughter going through middle school right now. I've taken four of them through middle school. And every single one of them, I, I, every single one of them, at least for, maybe this is just the Lloydhauser thing, but there's this kind of group that they want to be in and they can't quite get in. And just kind of like right underneath that group, right? And, and, and I've, always, I've tried to teach every single one of them, actually, you're not trying to fit into that group. Actually, that's not where you want to go. What you want to do is turn the other way and love the people who don't feel loved at all. Girls, listen to me. I mean, this is, I tell them over and over again, love the people who are outcasts. Love the unlovable. See, Jesus has given you your identity. He's given you everything you need. You don't need to be up there. You need to be over here with them. We're not trying to fit in, guys. We're, we're trying to love the misfits. We are not trying to be comfortable in this world. We are trying to change this world. 
And I don't know, Christians, I, I think we've got distracted. And we thought that it was about, you know, us going out and playing, and you're welcome to play, it's good. I love to play, I love to go have adventures. But that's not why I'm here. It's not for your view, it's not for your neighborhood, it's not for your house, it's not for any of those things. It's not for your job, it's not for your career. You are here for the glory of Jesus Christ. You're here to see his kingdom come and his will be done. Such purpose we have. And you know why a lot of us has lost our zeal? It's because we lost our purpose. We're like, we're going after just kind of our own comfort and we're like, wow, this is really unfulfilling. Exactly. It will be unfulfilling. There's only one that fulfills. It's Christ. And it's to live according to the call and purpose he has for us. No wonder we lose our zeal. I'm going to show you 17 and 18 here. This is one of my favorite passages. This is one that I would encourage you uh, to, to memorize. So going on, it says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everybody. And I love this next verse because it's just so freeing. It's a great way to live life. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And here's the thing, is, is if it's possible. Sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes people will not have peace with you. But there's so much freedom here because you know what it says? This is do what you can do. And then they're going to do what they're going to do. And you don't have to be mad about it. And you don't have to be hurt by it. You can't make anybody do anything, right? You can't make this world shape up. But just as far as possible, bring peace. As far as possible, live in peace. As far as possible, make peace. And so I'll reach, and I'll love, and I'll try. And then you know what? They're going to do what they're going to do. And the world's going to do what it's going to do. And I don't have to get pouty about it. And I don't have to be mad that they didn't respond like I wanted them to. That's their deal. My deal is to just do my job and to keep doing my job. And see, there's this attack of apathy and fear and quitting. But see, God's given us some armor for that. It's the feet fit with the readiness of the gospel of peace. See, and, and, and their feet, their shoes, their boots, which means they're meant to move. The gospel of peace is meant to move. It's meant to go forward. It doesn't just sit down or sit back. It takes enemy territory. Wherever you go, you bring the gospel of peace with you to increase the glory to the name of Jesus Christ, to bring his kingdom into every sphere and every situation that you go to. And I know that, that you, you had this idea or we stepped out or we thought or maybe we hoped and, and, and it didn't work because somebody complained or something resisted or just, it just didn't work, right? Listen, there are things that I do here that don't work all the time. I've had some really, really bad ideas and the staff faithfully tried to carry them out. And they didn't work, you know why? Because it was a bad idea. And no amount of professionalism or work that they could do can make the bad idea a good idea. I mean, I've done plenty of that, right? And I've started so many groups that didn't work. And I just don't take it personally anymore. It's like, well, that one didn't work. Let's try this one. And when they work really, really well, I don't take the credit for it either. What I do is, am I obedient to what God is asking me to do or am I not? That's the question. And Gene and I, we've launched out groups that have multiplied from us. And some of them have taken off and they're still going. And some of them just kind of uh, fizzled. And we keep going. You know, this church, since I've been here, in the 16 years that I've been here, this church has had no less than three campuses that we've tried to plant that didn't work. 
and I've been misunderstood. I mean, I've had people tell me before that, oh, all you care about is money and attendance. I'm just like, you, you don't know me. You don't know me at all that you would say that, right? There, there are people who go here and that they've told me that, you know, before I came here, I thought you were all style and no substance. And I'm like, I know. I know. Not the first time I heard that one. I had a guy in my office, like, he was just, like, straight to my face. He told me, you're apostate. If you don't know what that is, if you're not in the church, that's bad. That's not a good thing, right? I've had more emails and more letters about complaints and criticisms than, than I can even count. Listen, I have cried bitter tears as I've gone through horrible issues and difficult issues with staff. And I've had people tell me, Carl, you messed that up. And the truth is, is all I could say is, yeah, I did. But what am I going to do? I'm going to quit? What am I going to do? I'm going to stop serving Jesus? I'm going to stop obeying? I'm going to walk away from the thing that he called me to do? I'm going to stop serving? I mean, is that what Jesus did? He, he has five, maybe 10,000 people listening to him on his every, every, word, every word they're just waiting and he gives this sermon about how well you got to eat my body and, and you have to drink my, my blood and they all leave you know how many are left? 12 12 people is all that remains did Jesus quit? you know he was, he was stabbed in the back by someone whose feet that he washed someone he had communion with someone that he ministered with and did Jesus quit? And the religious leaders, I mean, constantly criticized him and attacked him and pointed at him and, and rejected him. And did he quit? And people hated him. And Jesus went to the cross. Oh, I'm so thankful that he didn't quit. And I want to tell you something. I am going to keep walking forward with my Lord until he tells me to stop or until my legs don't work anymore. And I'm going to obey the call of Jesus Christ to preach his goodness and tell this world till no one's listening or my mouth doesn't work anymore. I am not going to quit. I am going forward with my Christ. And here is my reason. Here's my answer to apathy. Here's my answer to shrieking back. Here's my answer to this difficulty. Listen, you know why I can't quit? Because Jesus is king. He's not a good idea. He's not just like, well, it's something that improves my life. I have given my, I have pledged my soul and my life into service to him. He is my king. He is my Lord. And I don't stop until the king says I stop. I'm taking my orders from him. He's leading us forward. Church, listen, this is our season. This is our time. This is our day to overcome. And when he calls you, you say yes, because he's the boss. And when he points forward, you go because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and we're just his servants. And it could all just go to pot and it could just be horrible and nothing that you wanted. But if he wants to take me through the valley of the shadow of death, guess where I'm going? Here we go, Jesus. Because you're the king. You're the Lord. And it's time that our lives just raise a hallelujah in every difficulty, that we give him praise, we give him glory, no matter where he takes us, because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So let's stand up right now and let's just give glory, let's give hallelujah, let's give praise to our great King. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. 
Let us know what we can do to help you grow in Him. God bless you.